Welcome into Pickaxe and Roll. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night following an excellent victory from your Denver Nuggets. They win 118 to 112 over the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Nikola Jokic was awesome in this one. Jamal Murray had a clutch basket late. Michael Porter Jr. was dominant throughout, especially on the glass. It was a really good sign for Denver, especially as shorthanded as they were. Didn't have a lot of guards, but they made it work. It was really impressive stuff. Want to talk all about it. Uh, make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I've, I've linked the, uh, the Apple, the Spotify, the Google Play. Uh, all of the podcast links are attached to my profile. They're pinned to my profile on Twitter. Uh, you can also find this episode on denverstiffs.com and on milehighsports.com. So make sure to follow the show. This is going to be my first recap episode, and I'm going to start doing the recap episodes in a slightly different way than I would do before over on the Denver Stiffs Network. I'm uh, going to talk about what happened, what the main story was, why this game unfolded the way it did, uh, who's playing well, who's not, what's kind of trending for the Nuggets right now, and then what's next, what they've got going up after the fact. So going to break it all down into those segments and have a good time with it. Think that, think it should be pretty fun. Okay. Main thing about what happened tonight. The Nuggets won 118 to 112. This was a clutch game. If you've heard me talk about this before, you heard me talk about it on the debut episode last night. The Nuggets, they kind of struggled in the clutch over those past few weeks, over the the really to start the season. Uh, this was a really good game from them for an execution perspective. Uh, especially down the stretch, I thought that they got to their sets, they knew what they needed to do on both ends of the floor, and that was a really big deal for what they wanted to accomplish. Uh, the play was really simple. The play design was was get the ball to Nikola Jokic in the post or in the pick and roll, and that's sometimes that's how simple it has to be with the way that the Chicago Bulls were playing him. But they decided that they wanted to go that direction And I think it really led its way into Denver's hands because they have one of the best players in the NBA. Nikola Jokic and the dominance of Nikola Jokic was absolutely the story tonight. 39 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, took 28 shots, made 17 of them, 0 of 3 from the field, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. He was great, honestly. He missed some shots early that I thought he could have made, but especially down the stretch of this game, the Bulls were daring him. They were baiting him, absolutely doing everything that they could to try to get him to record scratch on a shot. He continued to go up. He made the most of his one-on-one shots, did a great job against Thaddeus Young, against Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, Denver had a great opportunity in this one to feature him in this game. Uh, The Chicago Bulls, they play pretty small, uh, but they are pretty physical. And Wendell Carter Jr. was especially physical in this game. Uh, The Bulls, they they got away with a lot of contact. uh, And I think that was one of the stories, at least initially, was that Michael Malone defended Nikola Jokic in the middle of this game, got himself a technical, uh, Michael Malone did, by coming to the defense of his player. And it was really important to see him do that because in the past I think Michael Malone has held his tongue a little bit but he saw what Nikola Jokic was going through 
He saw what was happening. The Bulls were being extremely physical. They were getting away with a lot of contact. I thought that this was a pretty one-sided operation for most of the game. Frankly, until uh, Nikola Jokic got that call and got that, uh, uh, Michael Malone drew that technical, actually. Uh, Things started flipping after that fact, uh, especially in the second half, but it was pretty interesting to see how the game flipped. And Nikola Jokic... He didn't want to do it, or maybe maybe it's not maybe that's not true. He did it in a brute force way tonight. As the Bulls were being physical with him, Carter, uh, Thaddeus Young, anybody that was rotating onto him, Jokic was going right back at them. Uh, they didn't double at all, the Bulls, and I think that actually led into Denver's hands on this one. This was a really, really important way for Denver to win this game. Uh, because with the way that the Bulls were playing as small as they were, usually you would double. Usually you would go at the guy who is potentially the MVP, potentially the best player in the NBA right now. Usually you would double that guy and try to get the ball out of their hands. That's not what the Bulls did. Jokic was actually more of a facilitator at the beginning of the game. And then towards the end of it, when the Bulls weren't doubling, when they baited him to try to get them to beat him one-on-one, He did so. He did it in every sense of the word. 17 points of his 39 came in that fourth quarter. The Nuggets had gone into a rut at that point. Uh, Jokic came in and he scored basically every point that the Nuggets needed from him to get them back into the game, to get everything stable. And then he even had a poster dunk. Uh, Nikola Jokic uh, having posters. Uh, this he asked uh, on the broadcast, or not on the broadcast, on the the media zoom tonight, whether that was the first poster he had ever had in his career. Uh, it's possible. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, but that was the story for what the Nuggets were doing tonight, and uh, and what really happened. Uh, Jokic was the guy who had to carry the burden. He had to carry the load. The the Bulls weren't going to double. And because of that, everything kind of fell into place for him to have a really, really, really solid game. Uh, this wasn't the best game of his season by any stretch of the word, but it came at a really, really important time. And him being able to rise to the occasion in the way that he did, it says a lot about the way that he's grown as a player, says a lot about the way that he has grown as a person, and it says a lot just about his standing in the league, that he is one of the few guys that's capable of doing that every single possession down the floor. How many players in the NBA can you really say that about? LeBron James, uh, Kawhi Leonard sometimes, Steph Curry, uh, Damian Lillard, I think at times. Uh, Joel Embiid at this point, I think he's earned that. But Jokic is reaching that level where he is just dictating everything that the defense has to do. And they made a conscious decision to try to take away his passing late in the game. They had already seen him rack up nine assists. He was passing very well. He stuck at nine assists for a lot of this game, actually. Uh, And because of that, they decided they were going to stay home and they were going to try to dare him to beat them with the scoring. And he did exactly that. Very, very impressive performance from him. Uh, The Nuggets have a great one on their hands, of course. Uh, But I'm not breaking any news here. He's, He's incredible. Next, uh, let's talk about why certain things happened the way that they did. Um, I mentioned uh, Wendell Carter Jr. and Thad Young at center. 
with no double, that led to a lot of Jokic shots. That's just something that's going to happen with the way that the Nuggets play basketball, especially through Nikola Jokic late. Usually they like to run the two-man game. Usually they like to uh, get other players involved in the cuts, in the flow, uh, doing certain things. That wasn't necessary tonight, and the Nuggets knew that they were going to get their best shots, put the ball in the hands of their best player, by just going to the post over and over again. Uh, they didn't have any problem entering the entering the ball into the post. They didn't have the, any, any trouble uh, rotating around after that, cutting after that. Uh, everybody spaced the floor properly, and when you have somebody like Wendell Carter, who's about 6'8", maybe 6'9", and Thad Young, who's closer to 6'7", Jokic was able to shoot over the top of them. He walked them back into the lane. Uh, when they didn't press up on him, he hit a couple of jumpers. Uh, that's just sort of how to dictate the game tonight. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention, this game really happened the way that it did with Jokic coming back in and having to take over because the bench was so shorthanded. If the Nuggets have other players back tonight, they can have a little bit more of a smooth rotation. Uh, Vlako Chanchar played 20 minutes. He was a minus 16. Uh, Malone was positive about them, though. He he thought that Chanchar in particular did a lot of good things uh, on both ends of the floor. He did hit a three, uh, made a couple of nice plays there. But overall, Denver's bench, I think the, the numbers speak for themselves here. They started with zero points in the fourth quarter with Jamal Murray out there along with P.J. Dozier, Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji, and Isaiah Hartenstein. And I don't think Malone really did Jamal Murray any favors with that second unit. He was playing with fire a little bit. Uh, Murray has done really well because he's been optimized. Not because he's been optimized. He's done well because he's been great. Uh, but some of that has, has really helped because they've spaced the floor for him. Because they've given him another playmaker to play next to him. P.J. Dozier can serve that purpose. But you'd like to see them space the floor a little bit with somebody else. Playing Vlako Chanchar and Zeke Naji and a rim-rolling center, that felt like a, a little bit of overkill tonight uh, with that second unit. I wonder if Malone will change some things against the Milwaukee Bucks. think that probably makes the most sense, given that it'll be the second night of a back-to-back. Um, I think you'd like to see Zeke Naji play a little bit more in this next game, uh, just because... He has the athleticism and the versatility to stick with some of those players on the Bucks, like uh, Chris Middleton, like a Giannis, uh, guys of that nature. We'll see how it ultimately pans out, but Denver not scoring with that lineup doesn't surprise me in any in any way. Uh, the Bulls they they actually have a pretty good defense, and at least at least with certain segments of their team, Thaddeus Young being the primary one. He really gave Isaiah Hartenstein a lot of problems tonight. I'll talk about that in just a little bit, but uh, that was a big deal. Denver's bench uh, didn't give a lot, but I think that Malone will probably rotate more starters with the bench next game, whether it's Porter, whether it's Barton, whether it's Morris. He's already going to do it with Murray. We'll just have to see how he handles it, and I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. All right. Who else played well? I mentioned Jamal Murray already. Uh, let's talk about Jamal Murray. 
He was really good. The numbers sort of speak for themselves here. Another 24 points. This is his 10th game in a row of 20-plus points. 8 of 14 from the field. 4 of 8 from 3. 4 of 4 from the free throw line. He had 3 assists. He did have 4 turnovers. I thought if there was one part of his game that really stuck out, uh, it didn't help that he was in some of those lineups that were pretty bad, but had a couple of egregious turnovers just losing the ball. Uh, That's a problem, but... It's not something that he's really had a big problem with other than a couple of games here or there. So got to give him a pass for that. No big deal. Especially when he's shooting the ball the way that he is. Uh, Four of eight from three. I think we take that for granted now because it has been so commonplace lately. But Jamal Murray is really balling right now. He has turned his game up to another level. The confidence that he's playing with from the three-point line is just so important for what the Nuggets are trying to do going forward, for what Murray is trying to be going forward. He's going to be one of the next dynamic guards in the NBA, and he's already there, really. Like The consistency has gone in and out, but especially now with the way that he's playing, I asked Malone if, if there was anything, anything, more, anything that showed more consistency than Murray scoring 20-plus points 10 straight times, and he laughed and agreed, and that this was something that he really cared about. And the way that Jamal has brought it on the, the defensive end with his playmaking, with his rebounding, he's done a great job of being an all-around guy. He's taken on some tough defensive assignments too. Uh, he defended Zach Levine for much of this game, and he was the main guy who did so. So really good stuff from him. Uh, he he earns a lot of credit for Zach Levine going 9 of 20 from the field and 1 of 8 from 3. Definitely think that's true. Uh, who else played well? Michael Porter Jr. Time to talk about him. Michael Porter, uh, he started this game really well from from a scoring perspective. I don't like the way that Denver sort of transitions away from him after the first half ends. It sort of seems like they do a really good job of involving him early and then sort of phase him out late. And I think that Porter's, you can sense some resentment, not maybe not resentment, but more resignedness to that role. He's kind of resigned to being that off-ball option late in games. To be fair and to his credit, he's done a really good job. And, and I think that there were a couple of times, especially late in this game, he grabbed 15 total rebounds, three of them offensive. He earned Denver some extra possessions with his play. And they don't win this game without him because of the way that he controlled the glass. He led all players with rebounding with 15 boards. That's a season high for him. Finished with 17 points. I still would like to see Denver continue to go to him in that second half. I don't think they need to get away from him. They really just decided they wanted to go to Jokic. And uh, Will Barton was a big part of things in the second half, too. Um I don't know. Uh, it, I, it's it's tar- It's tough because Jokic did a really good job of dictating things late in this game, especially in that fourth quarter. I think Denver, they lost the third quarter. Uh, that was one of two quarters that they lost. They lost the second and they lost the third. So I wonder if they could do a better job in that third quarter of keeping Porter involved, of keeping Murray involved. There are a lot of times where those two kind of run into the the background of an offense that doesn't even go through Jokic all the time. 
So I wonder if there's a little bit of a way to help them get through that. But sometimes that's just going to happen when Monte Morris is out there, when Will Barton is out there. Those guys are good, and there's a reason why Denver has been successful. There's a reason why Denver was so successful in the OKC game. It was starting with Jokic, Murray, and Porter. But Barton and Morris are capable of doing good of good things. And it wasn't as good today, but they were still fine. Will Barton, he struggled a bit again today. I want to note he did hit two clutch free throw attempts. Very important for Denver winning. Grabbed six rebounds, including three offensive. Uh, he was a plus nine in, in that lineup, so it wasn't like he was the only guy with a, a low plus minus or anything. He still does some things that bother me. And I think he still does some things that bother everybody else, uh, which is fine. It's understandable. I, everybody sort of has this this thing about Will Barton, and I get it. Uh, some of the things and some of the decisions that he makes are are sometimes a little bit infuriating. And he'll give up on plays defensively that if it were Porter who was giving up on them defensively, then Porter might be pulled or, or whatnot, but... I think the tide of that is slowly turning, and I'll talk about that in a later segment. But Barton, he's still got some work to do, I would say. he's. This was a, a fine game. Uh, not great, not, not good by any stretch, but it wasn't a bad one. Still went 5 of 13, still hit a 3. Uh, like what he did in some of the playmaking respects, did a good job of getting the ball to Jokic outside of one pretty egregious turnover. Isaiah Hartenstein, he's a guy that it's tough to go at him consistently because he only gets what the minutes that Jokic doesn't play, and the Nuggets need those minutes so badly from Jokic that Isaiah Hartenstein is going to be almost a almost a scapegoat in a lot of different ways. I will say that, uh, but he was really bad, like like really bad tonight. Um, I thought that Thaddeus Young sort of dominated him even when Thaddeus Young just decided to post him up. Thaddeus Young is 6'7". He's strong. He's a veteran. But Isaiah Hartenstein is 6'11", long arms, should be able to block those shots and should be able to prevent those post-ups. Thaddeus Young went right at him, and it just didn't matter. So that is something to monitor for sure. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein also needs to apply for the uh, I-can-only-dunk package uh, of shots that he usually gets. He threw up a a wild floater tonight uh, from about the free throw line that I I couldn't believe that he... Actually, I could believe that he did it because Mason Plumlee has done that before. But uh, if he doesn't have a lane to the basket, he needs to turn back out and go hunt a DHO with somebody. I know it's tough with Flacco Chanchar out there, with Zeke Naji out there, but I would have liked to see P.J. Dozier get more attempts and I would have liked to see Jamal Murray get more attempts. That's... Not surprising, in my opinion. Uh, Vlako Chanchar also played. He played those 20 minutes. Um, he's fine. I, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, Michael Malone said that he was positive in a lot of respects. I don't know if I necessarily agree. I think he's more trying to just boost him up. Um, he's probably not going to play. I think none of these guys, other than Dozier, are probably going to play off the bench uh, when everybody comes back healthy. But we'll see how that ultimately pans out. Uh, P.J. Dozier still definitely uh, has some uh, uh, has some rust on him. He went 2 of 6 from the free throw line. The Nuggets went 16 of 20 as a team, so 
Uh, Dozier was actually the only player to miss any free throws. He had those high-profile misses last year in the playoffs, so it is at least notable that he went 2 of 6 tonight. I hope he can lock in. The Nuggets need him badly. They need him to uh, be able to hit those shots in the clutch because he's just a very important piece of what they'd want to do as a big wing who's versatile, who's smart. Uh, If he can hit those free throws, then he will stay on the floor in clutch time. He will stay on the floor when the playoffs happen. So that is a big deal, and I want to circle back to that at some point. But did have a nice assist for a a dunk. Uh, Did have a nice pull-up three. Uh, He still does good things, and he's still a good defender. So let's see what happens when he's after the All-Star break, when he kind of gets his legs back under him. Okay, um, after that, um, that's a good segment to to probably take a break on. So let's take a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about what is trending with these Denver Nuggets, uh, as well as what's next. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate everyone. Uh, It's been a lot of fun doing this podcast so far and had a lot of great positive responses. So thank you so much for your support. Uh, If you're still curious about where to find the podcast, just uh, at me on Twitter. Uh, Search my Twitter. Uh, I have a lot of the links uh, published there. So just make sure to find that pinned to my profile and you should be easy to see. If not, just search Pickaxe and Roll on whichever medium that you're looking for, and that will be great. I'm very happy to to assist anybody with what they need. Okay, let's talk about what's trending. Two things that I think are really important. Uh, first of all, Murray's scoring streak right now. He has 20-plus points in 10 straight games. He's averaging 29.5 points per game on 55 50, 91 splits during that time. That's 55% from the field, 50% from three, and 91% from the free throw line. That free throw indicator is a really good sign. He struggled to start the season at the free throw line, but that has since come back. He's, he's very much in rhythm, very much effective uh, at the free throw line. And when he gets there, that shows a really good sign of, of his aggression. Uh, he doesn't always have to get there, but those are free points for him, so it's a really good sign. Uh, he is second in the NBA in the last 10 games in total plus-minus, behind only Chris Paul, uh, who on the Phoenix Suns, they're 8-2 and two in their last uh, 10 games. The Nuggets are only 6-4, and four, which to me says it's pretty crazy that Murray is has been as positive and as impactful as he has been over these last 10. When he is scoring, when he's in this rhythm, very few players in the NBA are as impactful as him. You have your superstars, you have some other all-stars that are kind of more all-around, but other than those 15 players or so, Murray is right there. Murray really is right there in terms of his all-around impact, in terms of what he can provide, what he's done to elevate his game on the defensive end, 
Uh, obviously, the scoring is what's really going to stand out because that's just what he does best. Uh, but he has done that well, and he's been attacking in so many different ways and finding success. He's really been great. Uh, I mentioned on Starting Five, uh, an article on Denver Stiffs that you should go read, that a lot of the things that I'm looking at with him are his pick-and-roll success uh, in the pull-up and also being able to create some shots at the rim. Or, or not even at the rim, but even if he can't get all the way there, kind of that short mid-range area, that inside 15 feet area, he's done a great job this season of being very efficient in that area as, as far as guards go. He has great touch, he's got a lot of great moves, and he's been using all of them lately, which to me that says that he's in his bag, he's been going to the post, he's been in and out, uh, he's been making a lot of dribble moves, back cutting, doing everything in his power to create an open shot, and He's done a great job, and he's hit them. So good on him for keeping this thing together. I want to see how long this thing goes. Uh, he really has been good. He's got Drew Holiday next and the, and the Milwaukee Bucks, so we'll talk about that. Um, Michael Porter, his double-double streak has reached four. Uh, he's at a 100% success rate while starting a power forward. So when the Nuggets start Michael Porter Jr. at power forward, he has a double-double in four straight games, the points and rebounds variety. Tonight it was 17 points and 15 rebounds. Uh, previously it's been 10, it's been 13, it's been uh, that 20-10 and 10 game that he had against the, the Oklahoma City Thunder on Saturday. He has been really impactful at that position. And I wonder if his athleticism and his overall physical profile just give some more advantages and power forward right now. There aren't that many players that are more physically dominant than him when he's playing that position, and there are a lot of small forwards that really can't hang that move to power forward. I don't think he's one of them. I think the Nuggets are just trying things right now, and they're finding some success with him there. But his role is so simplified. I talked about this on last night's podcast, but also on Starting 5, that things get really simple for him when he's at the power forward spot. Uh, the plays, the defensive responsibilities, the overall goals of the position, he's got a rebound, and he's rebounded. He's got to hit outside shots and cut, and he's hit outside shots and he's cut. And I think that that's done a great thing for him. He hasn't had to face that many physical players yet. Uh, like, tonight it was Patrick Williams, who's, who's a rookie, who's still trying to figure out his footing. Against OKC, it was Darius Baisley. Uh, before that, it was uh, it was Portland, uh, who are starting Robert Covington. He's not that physical. Uh, Washington, they're starting Rui Hachimura, still a young player as well, not super physical. Uh, so he's had some success here, in part because of the players that he's faced. I want to see what happens when he faces a guy like Giannis, who he's going to face uh, tomorrow. He's going to face on Tuesday night. That's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he can fill that and uh, and what his game looks like overall. I also want to talk about just how he hasn't been the problem over these last few games, and I think that that's a big step for what the Nuggets are trying to accomplish here. For a long time, for the start of this season, he was the issue. He was the guy that everybody was kind of looking at as, uh, man, if only Michael Porter was doing this, this, and this, then things would be better. Denver's roster is obviously flawed beyond that. 
and it's not something that they can really control. Uh, they needed Michael Porter to take a step, and and to this point, he hadn't taken a step. But I really do think that he is starting to come into his own as and finding that rhythm as a player who, when you're young, when you're you're just trying to navigate, you're just trying to figure out the the lay the lay of the land. So much of it is just trying to get out of your own way. So much of it is just trying to avoid being the problem and the reason the teams lose. So many young players, when they're given the reins early, they're, they're allowed to make mistakes. They're allowed to go out and, and iron out the kinks, and that's going to help them become a great player. For some, it works. For some, it doesn't. For Michael Porter, I think he's had to balance those two. The Nuggets haven't been able to give him that full luxury of being able to go out and make make mistakes. Now they've they've kind of been forced uh, with the injuries to Paul Millsap, with the injuries to Jermichael Green. I think that their hand has really been forced here. They've had to play him a bunch of minutes. They've had to let him play through those mistakes, give him some extra time. And I really do think that it has been beneficial for what they've done. I said at the beginning of their, their final 10-game stretch, uh, they had... They had, they're had they on this road trip at the beginning of last road trip where they faced the Boston Celtics and got and Porter was awful. I said that this stretch was going to be really good for him in that he, Jokic, and Murray, they were just going to have to face their demons, figure out a way to work together, figure out a way for things to pan out, whether it was going to be a small forward, whether it was going to be with Porter taking a back seat, whether it was A, B, or C. I don't really care. They have figured some stuff out, and Porter has really figured some stuff out too. It's helped him not be the problem during this stretch, which I think is a really big step. You could start pointing to other things that the Nuggets need to improve, but the fact is, is that Michael Porter hasn't been the problem over this last over these last few games. And that's a really, really great sign for his growth. So I'm looking forward to seeing if he can continue it. Uh, Milwaukee will be a great test. Uh, speaking of Milwaukee... I want to talk about them. The Giannis versus MPJ matchup at Power Forward is going to be really, really interesting, as well as the Will Barton versus Chris Middleton at Small Forward matchup. Uh, Denver didn't have PJ Dozier last time for this game, so that might help them at least a little bit with the the Middleton matchup. But they don't really have anybody for Giannis. It's either going to be uh, MPJ, it's going to be Vlako Chanchar, it's going to be Zeke Naji. I don't think Denver's really comfortable in any of those cases. So, MPJ, he's going to have to stay out of foul trouble. He's going to have to space the floor. He's going to have to fight Giannis for that rebounding position. And he's going to have to play great defense and be smart about the spots that he picks and how he approaches that matchup. That's going to be a really, really big deal for him. Jamal Murray versus Drew Holiday is also going to be a big deal at that guard position. Uh, Drew Holiday has been long been lauded for one of the just being one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, one of the most impactful guys, especially one on one with how physical he is without fouling. Does a great job of really floating between that line, uh, not in a bad way, but he's just he's really really good. Uh, I just watched the Bucks. Uh, over this last game against the Los Angeles Clippers. They're coming off of a really nice win here. Uh, Giannis played center uh, towards the end of that game. That really was more of a counter for what the Clippers were doing. 
It wouldn't surprise me if they went to center or with Giannis at center again against Jokic. Uh, that would be really fun. It would be really fascinating to watch. Uh, but right now, the Jamal versus Drew Holiday matchup at guard, if Jamal Murray can continue to have success in this particular matchup and still get to that 20-plus barrier, if he can do so efficiently, if he can make things happen, even while being hounded by Drew Holiday, that will show a lot of great progress for what he's been able to do. Same thing with Jokic uh, versus Brooke Lopez in the post, above the arc, etc., I think that he really doesn't struggle with that matchup anymore, but Giannis is going to be floating around. He's going to be doing everything that he can to provide a little bit of help for Brook Lopez. This is why MPJ is so important, because if Michael Porter is the guy that Giannis is guarding, he is not going to be able to leave him. That is the most important thing for Denver, is that Porter's going to have to play off-ball really smart. He's going to have to be up top on the on the wings. He's going to have to cut from the baseline at the right time. He's going to have to move without the ball. He could have a lot of good opportunities with Jokic passing him the ball on cuts and on off-ball movement to really put up a big number, even while being guarded by Giannis Antetokounmpo. I really do believe that. Uh, but that really starts with Jokic being dominant against Brook Lopez uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, Lopez has killed Denver in past games. Uh, by simply spacing the floor really well. Uh, I wonder if they're going to be able to continue that. I wonder if that's going to be a priority for them. Uh, Denver's bench obviously is going to be decimated. I wonder if if they're probably just going to lose those minutes by 15, 20 points, and that means that Jokic and company are going to have to make things up. Uh, Zeke Naji is going to be a big deal. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein is going to have to be better than he was. Uh, we're going to see how that goes. Uh, I wonder if Isaiah Hardstein actually guards Giannis when he's on the bench and operating as that bench center. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Denver's going to have to come out hard, though, because Giannis is going to play very hard. He's been really great lately. Uh, Denver doesn't have a great answer for him, but they also don't have a great answer for anybody else, including Chris Middleton. So going to have to be locked in on both ends of the floor, especially offensively. Going to have to put up a big crooked number, I think. Um uh, Overall, Denver is 19-15. and 15. They have two games left. They're in seventh place as of recording this. Let's quickly check on that other game. Uh, oh, yeah, Portland won, so they'll stay at seventh. Uh, but they're trailing Portland. They're very close there. They're trailing uh, San Antonio, who's currently in fifth. Maybe in sixth now that Portland won, but I don't know. Uh, if Denver can get up to fifth... I think that you would feel pretty good about things. And I think they can make a big run. But I think the difference in these last two games, they're currently at 19-15. and 15 The difference between 19-17, and 17, two losses, and 21-15, and 15, two wins, I think is really, really big. 19-17 uh, and 17 at the midway point just isn't very good. It shows how close you are to 500. shows how close you are to... And kind of how fraudulent you are in general, how inconsistent you are. Uh, I doubt that Denver wins this next game, but if they were to steal it and they were to f- then finish up the season or the the halfway point against Indiana with the win, going to twenty one and fifteen, it brings back a lot of good karma because I do think that Denver is capable of making a big run in March 
and a big run in April. Those teams that they're going to face at the beginning of March and April are going to be pretty bad, or or they're at least going to be pretty subpar. Denver has had struggles with those games. They haven't taken care of business in a lot of those ways. They've been good in, in, in some of those games, but they've been pretty bad in others. Uh, that inconsistency has really hounded them. But that's why earning these wins in this tough spot is a really, really big deal. Because if they're able to do that, it just gives them a little bit of leeway. Gives them a little bit of break. And it'll be a pretty good feel-good story that if they were to struggle against Washington and, and lose in the heartbreaking way that they did, uh, and then finish up this season or this midway point by going 4-0 and on the road, that would be big deal. That would be a big, big, big deal, especially without the players that they've missed. Thank you so much for tuning in to Pickaxe and Roll on this Monday night, Tuesday morning, whenever you're listening to this one. Nuggets play again on Tuesday. I will be recapping that game as well. Uh, Going to be a lot of fun. I'll have my first guest on for the Wednesday night, Thursday morning pod, so keep an eye out for that. I think you're going to like the guests that I've, I've locked in. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to like, subscribe to this podcast. Rate and review five stars on iTunes, please. This is one of my big ventures, and I'm taking a big chance, and it would really, really mean the world to me if you could post a five-star review. That would be awesome. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.